Good morning, Southwinds. I am so glad that you guys have joined us this morning on this beautiful first Sunday of 2022. The word ambassador carries some noble representation with it. If you did a simple Google search, you would see that ambassador means an accredited diplomat set by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Or a second example, a person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specific activity. And based off of Google, the author of all truth on the internet, we can conclude that the word ambassador means to be a representative of something or someone else. Do you know that the United States of America has over 270 foreign ambassadors to other countries to help with the leadership pipeline of handling diplomatic issues? And here at home and just about every other corner of the earth, wherever social media is there, you'll find some sort of ambassadorship. Somebody, something being promoted on a less official assignment. Other times we become ambassadors in every day, in our regular way of life. Several months ago, my wife and I, we ordered this beautiful, awesome stroller. I thought it was, might as well have been like a rocket ship. It was really cool. It was really expensive, but it was really nice. And I thought it would be worth it. So much so that this company thought about just everything to put into this awesome little stroller that didn't really fit in our car, but we still got it. Um, but they thought of everything. They put business cards in there so that we, uh, when we were like strolling around, people would say, whoa, what's that stroller? Where'd you get it from? And we'd be like, hey, this is where we got it. And they'd like, we'd, we'd hand out the business cards that came with the, with the stroller. So much so that this company put in their, in their marketing scheme of the stroller a little pocket for the business cards. I thought it was really cool. Um, but that's how we as individuals become ambassadors for companies. We become ambassadors for things in this world. The logos on our clothing, the type of car that you drove here in, the job you have, every single thing you do, somebody is watching, waiting to be influenced on whether or not to fall into your persuasive demeanor. In the terms of this series, we're gonna say an ambassador, ambassadors are sent for a purpose, for establishing friendship, goodwill, relationships by working together, by sharing who Christ is through voice and through action. I was reading a news headline this week that I wanted to share with you this morning as I introduced this two-part series called Ambassadors. The headline read, Tennessee firefighters let house burn as homeowner didn't pay an annual $75 fee for service. Gene Cranick and his family lost all their possessions. They lost their home. They lost their three dogs. They lost their cat in this house fire. When firefighters in a rural Tennessee county didn't respond because they hadn't paid the $75 fee. Cranick's son had been burning a trash fire near the house that began to grow and closer and closer towards the house. And it got out of control where Cranick had to call 911. And he said, I need help. And the operator said, you are not on our approved response list. Cranick lived outside the city limits and forgot, admit, he admitted that he forgot to pay the annual fee. The county didn't have a widespread firefighting service, but the county did offer fire coverage for rural residents for a small fee. Cranick told the operator, I'll pay whatever it takes, just get here quick, put the fire out to save my house. 
but the offer was not accepted. And after doing some research, the fire fee policy had been in place for about 20 years or so. The overseeing mayor of the neighboring rural county said, it's a service that we offer. Either residents accept it or they don't. Firefighters did eventually show up, but only to put out their neighbor's fire. Krennic mentioned they put water on the fence line out here. They never said anything to me, never acknowledged me. They just stood out there and watched my property burn to the ground. The mayor said that the fire department can't let homeowners pay the fee on the spot because then everybody would just wait until their house caught on fire, which is probably true, right? And as I thought about this, I became, out, I, I, I became outraged and I was frustrated and mad for this guy. But the policy was clear, no pay, no spray. Who was at fault? The fire department, the homeowner, the 20 year old bad policy, or the 911 operator? Who was at fault? But it depends on who you ask. But there's one takeaway I believe that we can all agree on failure to act when the stakes are life and death can be devastating. Would you act to stop the devastation of your neighbor's house? Of course you would, right? You do something, right? If you're sipping on some coffee, looking through the window in the kitchen, and your neighbor's house is on fire, what are you gonna do? You're probably gonna call 911. Hey, there's a fire, get here quick. You're going to respond quickly. There was a meme that was released a couple years ago, and there's this little girl smiling at the camera with this house burning out, burning in the background. And it was a perfect example of what not to do, right? Could you just imagine watching that devastation happen? But here's another question. Would you act to stop the devastation of your neighbor's soul? When it comes to devastation issues, soul devastation issues, most of us will come up with excuses on why we can't right now. Four excuses for avoiding the talk with somebody about their soul. Awkwardness. It's awkward sometimes, right? Is it gonna ruin a friendship? Am I gonna be that weird guy at the, at the gym? Am I gonna be deemed that Christian? Are they gonna stereotype me? The second one being rejection. Am I gonna end up with my feelings hurt? Will they think less of me? As I've gotten older, I've uh, moved past this one. Uh, but I, as I get older, I kinda care less about what people think of me. But you know what does still get me? When a student notices I wore, wore the same shirt two Wednesdays in a row or two Sundays in a row, it gets me every time. Every time. Third one being personality. Sometimes we chop it up to just being different. They have a different set of, a, a different mindset. We don't mesh well. I don't want that person coming to my church. Or busyness, most common and oftentimes the most disappointing. According to a study done in 2018, Barna Research Group says that in 1993, 89% of Christians who shared their faith agreed that this responsibility was of every Christian. And today, it dropped to 64%. There's really only two options in this study. We stand on the sidelines and watch somebody else go down a path of devastation. Well, the second, we offer water to calm and ease the devastation of somebody's life. Failure to act when the stakes are life and death can be devastating. Would you act to stop the devastation of your neighbor's soul? In a recent study, um, I, this last semester, I uh, started my uh, Master's of Divinity program at a uh, 
seminary nearby, and I had to do a research project on the demographics of our area. And I found that within 10 miles of Southwinds Church, there are over 135,000 people living here. And of those 135,000 people, there are approximately 22,000 middle school and high school students. Of those students represent thousands and thousands of families that our student ministry could reach. An opportunity that our church could reach. And as we launch into this two-part series, there's really one section of scripture that jumps out at me and shines light on why we're hosting a winter camp next week. Now you're like, Marco, this is big church now. Come on, why are you talking about students? But it really comes down to be a big family church event. Because as a church, we come around the students that meet on a regular basis. We're doing what we can to help our students' friends feel comfortable about what's happening in the life of Southwinds by offering things close by. And in this passage, Paul explains to the church in Corinth that Christians cannot live for Jesus without living with Jesus. Read it with me in 2 Corinthians verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, the one who died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Therefore, from now, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The new things have passed away. Behold, all things have come. All of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the wrongdoings against them, and that he was committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so we might be the righteousness of God in him. One of the things a pastor of mine once said, every single time you read scripture and find the word, therefore, you should figure out what it is there for. It's understanding the meaning and the context. And in this short letter of 2 Corinthians, we see the Apostle Paul sharing over and over about the reconciliation process between us and the God of all creation. It also describes an appeal to those in Corinth who knew Paul. It was helping them understand that Paul wasn't crazy for continuing to share faith, to continue sharing Christ, even when it meant persecution and suffering in his life. Christ compels Paul to continue to tell all people that they could be reconciled to God through faith in Christ, just as he was. In Christ, God is not counting people's sins against them, but instead giving them credit for Christ's righteous life. As Christ's ambassador, Paul begged all people to be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. Because he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God and our love relationship with the Lord could be restored again, returning hope to humanity. 
And if we look back at it in verse 14, it says, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that no, that the one, Jesus, died for all. Every single person that has walked on this earth prior, every single person that is on this earth, and every single person that will walk on this earth until his return, therefore all died. Meaning that Christ paid, died to pay for the sins of all humanity. And his death has become the death required for all personal sin. In a spiritual sense, all who trust in Christ died with him when he died. In verse 15, it says, he died for all, a commitment for all people. Just as those Christ died for all people. He didn't die just for Christians who come every single week out of the year. You're on week one of 52, good job, right? He didn't die just for the Navy SEALs of Christians. He didn't die for those who were at the top, 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 top of the social Christian hierarchy, but he died for all so that those who would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. And if you read that same verse as me, I think there's a little bit of work that we all have to do. We've all been discipled to be road monsters when we get behind the wheel of a, a car, right? I don't know about you, but when I start to drive, I get a little upset sometimes because I've been discipled that the road is mine and nobody else's. Everybody else is in the wrong, right? A couple months ago, I uh, took my son to a doctor's appointment over the hill, um, and on my way back, it was only 25 minute, uh, 25 uh, mile drive, right? Easy, right? It took me 90 minutes. Some of you guys do that every single day. I don't know how you do that. But I grew frustrated. I grew antsy. I have my son in the back crying, and it's like, come on, let me hurry up. But you can't. Verse 16 says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if any was in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things, all new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When we look at people, we shouldn't look at people for their past wrongdoings, their sins, their mess ups. We should see people through God's grace in their lives. It's 100% true for me. I wish I could say I was 100% sinless and I could be on this stage and say, you know what, I perfected it. Here you go. He's a perfect example on how to do it. But I'm not perfect. And I'll fall, I fall short daily. But this is the grace that God gives us as part of the redemptive process of becoming a new creation in Christ. Paul's definition of a Christian is a totally new person. When we come to faith in Christ, we become a new person. Your life before Christ and your life after knowing Christ should not look identical. Whether you're leading your school onto the soccer team, whether you're a homeschool teacher, whether you're a construction worker, a chef, an event planner, a CEO, a CEO, 
before your role in the office or on the field comes into effect, you are an ambassador for Christ. You and I have been reconciled to help others reconcile back to the Lord. I'll say that again. You and I have been reconciled to help reconcile others back to the Lord. God calls every believer to Christian service and growth, calls every single person to serve others and to personally grow and changing our behavior for Christ. Paul wrote, live worthy of the calling that you have received and listed different characteristics and behaviors for expectations of believers in Ephesians chapter four. Peter later on echoed the same idea, writing, as the one who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all your conduct. Both men filled their letters with reminders of believers to walk in the light, to live for the glory of God, and to enjoy the freedom in Christ. God has called you to live differently from the world around you. He's called you to live differently from how you lived prior to coming to faith. He's called you to a new way of life. God has given you new information and responsibility for him. But check this out. As we look at the word, look at the ministry of reconciliation in verse 18, the ministry of reconciliation involves the proclamation, the explanation, the love of the gospel and its assurance of forgiveness of sin and how that is available in Christ. Sin prevents us from having a relationship with the Lord, but Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross paid a compensation that brought harmony between us and God again. With reconciliation comes justification. Justification is an example of a life prison sentence and the judge looking to the guilty party, the prisoner, and saying, you are not guilty. We are received with open arms by God, just as the same way as we should receive others with open arms. Jumping back into the text, verse 19 says, namely, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the wrongdoings against them. And he was committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We see that word again an accredited diplomat sent to represent someone or something. We're about to see who we're representing for Christ. As God, we're making an appeal through us. You and I, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that is a response that could change eternity for someone else. God in Christ gained nothing by leaving his throne in a heavenly place to take on a worldly manger. His love took him to the cross, but it was our sins that put him there. It was an act of grand love. Jesus gave his life for the reconciliation of the world. This is the message for us as ambassadors to share his true act of love. And it was paid for by the blood of Christ. But church, look at this challenge. It's not just a challenge or a quest to add at the top of your 2022 um, uh, resolutions, right? 
We all probably started a resolution list a couple days ago. I uh, put it on my Instagram um, and just kind of got some feedback on people and just to see what they were going to set as resolutions. But to be honest, as I'm talking today, as I'm talking about the ministry of reconciliation and reconciliation in our life, it shouldn't be on our list. It should be the list. Let it be your resolution. Let it be your only purpose in life. I remember when I was a little guy, uh, my dad would tell me stories about when he was stationed overseas and um, he would tell me all the cool stuff that he saw. And I remember uh, one story, he was telling me about how he had left his outpost and he was out kind of in the desert watching the outpost, making sure everything was safe, everything was okay. He slept there, he kept watch. But it reminds me that the church is like an outpost of light in the darkness in this broken world. In the military, an outpost is a group of soldiers stationed away from the main force. The outpost isn't the main force, but it represents the large overall entity. As an outpost, the church isn't the main force. Our church isn't the main force. We represent the one who's the main force, but if you drive down the road, you'll probably find five or six more churches that are probably meeting right now. But what we all do is represent the main force when we fall underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. The church in the world is like an embassy in a country which its ambassador is stationed and positioned. I remember doing a lot of research on this in high school. Um, in high school, I was convinced that I was gonna be the president of the United States of America. Uh, I was convinced, so much so that I made t-shirts. Like, it was gonna happen. I was gonna make it happen, but that's beside the point. The church is the initial point of contact in the kingdom of God as God's people is scattered among humanity. He didn't want heaven without us. He didn't want heaven without you. So he came to earth to bring us back into the family of God the initial thought and connection back to Genesis 2, the original plan for humanity prior to the fall in Genesis 3. So today, this morning, I only have two big ideas. They're really easy to remember. You can like write them on your hand if you want. You can take notes, take a picture of it. I don't care. But two small ideas that I want you to walk away today and remember throughout this year. First, be reconciled. Therefore, as ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Make sure that there is nothing standing between you and the Lord this morning. And second, carry the message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. The gospel changes everything in our lives. And if that were true in your life, everything should be wrapped around the gospel. The Holy Spirit awakens us in that moment. David Platt, former president of the International Mission Board and pastor says, Jesus's love leaves us no option but to live for him. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram or not. If you don't, you should, because uh, you'll know all about my life. Uh, but last week, during our Christmas services on a Friday night, uh, right about 5, 5.30, um, I got a little text from a, um, 
a uh, airline company saying, hey, just a heads up, your flight has been canceled tonight. Um, I was supposed to fly to Las Vegas to be with my family. Uh, my wife and my kids were already there. Uh, so I was like really pumped. I'm like, all right, we gotta get through this final service. We'll get down there, spend Christmas Eve with my family, Christmas morning with the family, perfect. I get this little text saying, hey, it's been canceled. So what do I have to do? Do what any other person would do is jump in the car, fill up the tank of gas, grab some snacks, and drive. Totally would not be an ambassador for that airline company. (laughs) But as I drive from Tracy to Las Vegas to make it there for Christmas morning, about two hours in, I'm about to hit the 58 um, towards Bakersfield to cut over to Barstow, back to Vegas on the 15. And a song came on. And I had heard this song before, but it causes me to like slow down, right? Have you ever realized you're driving like 45 into 70? Like I snapped out of it like really quick, but it hit me. And I was in real shock in that moment. I was really tired, I was really frustrated. I was emotional, a little cryy, it's okay. Um, But in that moment, I was talking to God saying, God, I, I really need help, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I just want to see my family. And I sensed God's hand on my back as I was begging to stay awake, reminding me it's all okay. Just follow me. I got you. I'll protect you and I'll guide you. And I'm not a singer. Um, I was making a joke with Brian, our sound guy. I said, hey, don't turn on my mic while I'm up here because I like to sing. Don't put me on blast. Um, But I am a singer. I love singing. I'm not good at singing. But on this eight-hour car ride to Vegas, I probably heard this song over 50 times. That first time I heard it, I put it on loop and just listened to it for a couple hours. And it was peaceful to what God was doing in my life. Over and over and over, the words rang through my head. The cross before me, I will follow. I will follow you, Lord. The world behind me, I will follow. I will follow you, Lord. Though none go with me, I will follow. I will follow you, Lord. And in that emotional moment, the Holy Spirit was stirring something in me that helped me realize how much love is actually there when we lay it all at the cross. The Holy Spirit stirs us, understanding that Jesus died in your place on the cross as a replacement for your sins. Do you believe that he stood on this earth to know what it felt like to be you? Do you wanna live for him? Do you wanna be reconciled with him? Do you wanna start carrying that message for others to be reconciled to him? If that's you, you're becoming a Christian. As a follower of Christ, an ambassador to a heavenly father, that first step is saying yes to God. And after that, it's baptism. It's that first step in obedience of the new life of a believer. And for Christians, if you wrestled with it, maybe you got baptized as a kid and you're starting to realize, ooh, I didn't actually mean it there, but now I'm adult, as I'm an adult, I kind of understand it and I, I actually mean it this time. It's time to do it again and give glory to God. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've said over and over, I'm never gonna do that again. And then again happens, Right? Southwinds, let me say this, delayed obedience has a name. It's called disobedience. Be reconciled to God. 
You cannot give what you do not have. The relationship between God and man is broken. There is this massive divide between God and us and only Jesus can bridge that gap. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you and I. Think about it this way. You borrowed someone's car because your car is in the shop. You are uh, down on your luck because you lost your job. This is just an example. Um, but you're borrowing someone's car because your car no longer works, right? And you, this beautiful car, it's awesome. It's their like in-town car because they commute over the, over the hill, just setting the scene for you. Um, and then you get the keys to this car. You get in the car. You are excited because you have some new wheels. You can get to work. You can go see your family. Um, you drive out of their driveway and total it. What happens? You don't have a job, can't pay for it, you can't fix it. Insurance policy, weird uh, policy on the final page that you threw away because it didn't matter, right? Says it's not gonna cover it. So what do you do? What can you say? I'm sorry, I promise I will work hard until I can pay you back for this car. But your friend leans over, puts their arm around your shoulder and says, I forgive you, don't worry about it, I'll cover it. What's your, what's your friend saying? He's saying, I will take the punishment on myself. I will pay the price. I will pay for the damages. Recognizing that Christ died on the cross for, means, for me means that I recognize my life actually begins at the cross. When I have said yes to Christ, I am living this new life. And from the cross, I carry the message of reconciliation to the world. Make no mistake, the author of this letter, Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter, was once someone who imprisoned people like you and I. The reason we have this letter in 2 Corinthians, the reason we have much of the New Testament is because of the inner workings of Jesus Christ in the life of Paul. Changing a man from a persecutor of Christ to being one of the greatest ambassadors for Christ in all of humanity. I'm gonna give you a little insight to someone who doesn't know Christ, when they look at Christians, they try to understand Christianity. But if we only look at Christians to make sense of Jesus, Jesus will never make sense to us. Am I an ambassador for Christ? Or am I just on this journey as a tourist? a new life, a new creation. One of the weird things in my life uh, growing up that summer that I gave my life to the Lord, um, I was in a like weird stage of life and was listening to like all types of music. Uh, my favorite band at the time was called Hindered, right? It was uh, a couple good songs that I really liked, but really caught me that summer. The worship team at that camp where I surrendered my life to Christ was called Unhindered. Okay, okay God, I see what you're doing. Do I think it was a coincidence? I don't know. But I do know that the Lord used that to open my eyes to what he had already been doing in my life. Being reconciled in Christ means changing my life. And when we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the sinless, sinless one became sin. And just thinking about that, it's like a self-imposed headache, Right? Jesus, who had lived on this earth his entire life, never doing anything wrong, decided to do all, take all my wrongdoing on himself 
and all your wrongdoing on himself and all the wrongdoing of everybody in all creation and all humanity on himself. There was a massive exchange. Jesus represents, represented us in his death so that we may represent him in our lives. What do you do when you get discouraged as a Christian? Sometimes we take a step back, right? We get overwhelmed. We choose to take a step back from life. Being discouraged as a Christian and taking a step back from Christian community is like selling a car because you ran out of gas. When you're discouraged, do your best to dive head I, I, head, dive head uh, knee deep in water with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. As I was making my drive, I read a, I was listening to a podcast about this gentleman. His name was uh, Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a 29-year-old man um, who had studied at a seminary and got married, and him and a bunch of other buddies, uh, missionary buddies, decided to uh, go be missionaries in the jungles of Ecuador. And for almost three years, these uh, missionaries prepared, did everything they could to learn the language. They scouted the area of this jungle and began praying for what God would do through them. Within hours, he, Jim Elliott, and four other missionaries decided to take that step, setting up camp in a, de- in a ter- territory of a dangerous, uncivilized Indian tribe known as the Alcas. The Alcas had killed many. They had killed many workers of an oil refinery rig site in the area. So much so that the oil site decided to close the site because people were afraid to go back. So as these missionaries were scouting the area, they decided, they, founded a, they found a, a group of Indians named the, Indi, uh, the Alcas and decided to start dropping gifts for them from an airplane, right? So that they could um, show them that they were nice, that they were friendly people, giving them gifts, food, water, things that they needed. And after some time, they spotted a large enough area on a beach to land their small plane. And shortly after, they were never heard from again. In that afternoon, Sunday, January 8th, Elizabeth Elliott, Jim's wife, waited by the two-way radio to hear from the group of missionaries. But there was no call. As the evening turned to night, the wives grew worried. They knew the news would not be good. The next morning, another missionary plane flew over the area where the missionaries had landed. They saw the plane that had been damaged on that beach. News quickly spread around the world that five missionaries had been missing. The United States sent a team to go search for the missionaries, and they found them dead. But don't think Operation Alka ended there, because it didn't. In less than two years afterwards, Jim's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, and their daughter, Valerie, and Rachel, the sister of one of the other missionaries, moved to this village. Soon, many Alcas would become Christians. They found the men who had murdered their husbands, their family members, and began to teach them about the reconciliation process of the gospel of Christ. And after some time, some of the 
natives would become Christ followers. They would surrender their lives to the Lord. The children of the missionaries were coming to faith because of the inner workings of Christ in these members of the tribe that their fathers, that their uncles had tried to reach, that their mothers are now trying to reach. One of the daughters of the missionaries who had been killed had come to faith while living in this village. And out of her first step of obedience, she said, I want to get baptized. She went to her mother and said, Mom, I want to get baptized. Who's going to baptize me? Mom said, well, why don't you find somebody to baptize you? So this little girl went up to one of the natives among this tribe and said, would you baptize me? And you'll never guess who ended up being the person who baptized her. His name was Makai, who had come to faith in Christ Jesus. And he was the man who ended up killing her father. If that doesn't show a redemptive story, I don't know what does. But friends, this doesn't, this isn't a story of a, about a man named Jim or his family. It's not about a man who had come to faith because of the inner workings of Christ. But it's a story of Christ. It's the story of Christ and the reconciliation process that can happen in every single one of our lives, in every single one of the 135,000 people living within 10 miles of our church. I don't think we're all called to be a Jim Elliott and to go live in the jungles of Ecuador. But we're all called to be reconciled to the Lord and to carry the message of reconciliation to the ends of the earth. Maybe that means in your office. Maybe that means on the soccer field. That maybe that means talking to your male person. Maybe that means talking to somebody at the DMV. Maybe that means talking to a family member who doesn't know the Lord. What if 2022 is about reconciliation? Making sure that we are setting our lives up in Christ. Making sure that we are living a life honorable to the Lord. First, be reconciled to the Lord and establish that foundation and be an ambassador to carry that message. I'm not saying be reconciled, learn as much as you can, take your time, and then go carry the message. I'm saying be reconciled and share the message. That is what the Lord has called us to do in our lives. Let's pray.